0: Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there,
1: business animals, it's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim, I feel like it's been a while since we've sat down and recorded for the Business Animal Podcast.
0: How are you? I think it has been a couple of weeks at least. I'm doing okay. I have been often and wandering around the planet for the last few weeks and I sadly had to miss you because this last week at Powderhorn because of lovely Ian and changed a whole lot of plans. Your presence yeah. was definitely missed at that event.
1: Man, I was so bummed about not getting to go on our adventure, but we fared really well with Hurricane Ian, so I can't complain. We lost power for three days, lost our fridge, food. That's pretty much it. Just thinking of all those folks over on the West Coast is pretty heartbreaking. I would have rather definitely have been hanging out with you guys at the Powderhorn Ranch out in Wyoming instead of sitting in my dark house doing a cat puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would have much rather have been with you guys
0: what was the name of the cat puzzle again it was cats a to z or something cool that cats you have. a to z cool cats
1: a to z yeah and that's a classic example of i went to the store with easton and i was like which one of these puzzles looks the best to you and he loves cats so he said the cat puzzle cool cats a to z which meant that i was responsible for doing the cat puzzle and that puzzle had a lot of negative space for any of the puzzlers out there where you're just putting together white-ish colored pieces with no pattern or words or anything on it so it was a very challenging it took me the full duration of the lights out situation in order to finish it oh
0: my goodness that's crazy it's crazy so does that mean you went to bed really early when the lights were out
1: no i our lights were out but the folks down the street had lights so we just went hung out at friends houses every night It was just like a hurricane party situation more than it was going to bed at when the sun goes down because you have no electricity.
0: <laughs> so I had an interesting experience where I went and visited a location for my Gestalt retreat that's gonna be coming up in June that I'm partnering with a woman named Cheryl Hill for, and I can't wait to announce it fully. But I was up in the mountains in Colorado and they turned the electricity off at nine o'clock at night. And you don't have any electricity until 7 a.m. So I found myself going to bed really early because I was there by myself. So there was like, I didn't feel like comfortable going out and making a campfire. Everybody else was making campfires and sitting around their campfires. Since I was all alone looking at this place for an event venue, I just hibernated in my little cabin and got some extra nice sleep without the buzz of any kind of electricity in my life.
1: Well, that's not bad. Sometimes it's nice to have an opportunity to be forced to relax. I was forced to relax and you were forced to relax. It's not a bad thing. And sometimes for folks like us, it's the only way to get us to slow (laughs) our butts down is when we're kind of forced to.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it was an interesting experience for me and it'll be an interesting experience for the attendees of the adventure retreat when we get to that point to have that downtime. What are we talking about today, Kara, besides our travels and no electricity going back (laughs) into the dark ages, I guess, is what we've been talking about.
1: We are talking about tooting your own horn, how to become okay with self-promotion. I love this topic, by the way, because it's super hard to get into the swing of talking about yourself and talking about your business. At least with our businesses, it feels like there's some drive there, but anytime you have to kind of toot your own horn, our society has so much stigma around that that it can be really challenging, especially for women, I think, and women business owners to get comfortable with self-promotion. So what are your thoughts on that?
0: I agree. I think we all have trouble with it because we're told as children not to be selfish, don't talk, Talk about yourself over other people. I mean, there's a lot of ingrained good behavior that's associated with not being the center of attention. And I think that's a real detriment, especially to those of us who enjoy being the center of attention like myself. I really do enjoy that. I, w- I got in a lot of trouble when I was in school for being too loud or making too much commotion. I have to confess, show and tell was my favorite subject. So I didn't have a lot of trouble with it. For me, it came very naturally. But I certainly got into a lot of trouble for being the one who always wanted to step up and do those things and it makes it harder when you get older no matter which side of the fence you're on whether you're the person who kind of stayed in the back of the room and really didn't want to be the center of attention or talk about yourself or whether you were like me who was like out there and then had adults all of the time telling you no you need to sit down let other people take their turn (laughs) you need to be quiet and not talk about yourself as much and I think we're also taught that it when we start developing relationships with people, we're taught that we need to make the other person the center of attention. So all of those teachings come into play, and then here we come and we become business owners And guess what? The success of our business hinges on us talking about ourselves, about sharing our story, about telling people about what it is we have to sell and being the center of attention. And it becomes really difficult from all of that stuff that we've collected from the past.
1: Absolutely. So let's jump into our big three then today and let's get rolling into that. So the first of the big three is something that I come back to a lot. It's practice. You've got to practice sometimes, like the words that come out of your mouth when you're going to talk to people or just get comfortable speaking about your business out in the world. The second is to make tuning your own horn or self-promotion a little easier is to start with sharing what you know and then go from there. And then the third is get help from others. and. We've got our own little take on that that we can chat through as well. So for me, the practice one is huge because I've always been someone that says in sales, for example, if you're uncomfortable speaking about sales or speaking about product and that sort of thing, it's okay to sit down and actually practice the words coming out of your mouth, like talking about your business is the same way. And even something as simple as practicing telling people what your business is, the product you provide, the service you provide, or telling your business story, you can practice that. And it's a great place to start. If you need to do that in front of an audience or record yourself doing it, that's okay. But start by practicing. But the whole part of self-promotion is actually telling your business story. And we've spoken about telling your business story, telling your personal story about why you became a business owner or why you started the business. That's essential. That's really essential to your brand. And it's essential to getting people interested in your business. Kim, did you want to speak to that a little bit?
0: I do. So in sales, when I work through a sales conversation with a client, and I'll give a little plug for my book here, The Little Book of Big Sales Moves, which is available on Amazon, by the way, it'll be available on my website soon. But for right now, you can go grab it off of Amazon. But one of the things that I like to do is I like to practice the questions I'm going to ask people. So I Mm want to have a sales conversation with people and that'll help alleviate some of this like fear of self-promotion about tooting your own horn and helping getting yourself out there as the center of attention. Because That thing we were taught, I mentioned earlier about relationships, about making the other person the center of the attention and the center of your experience in the conversation. It is important. We all like it when people are interested in us and our story and our information. But the thing is, is that you can't always just wing that and it's not always easy to wing it. So practicing it makes a lot of sense. So what I like to do is I spend an inordinate amount of time in a vehicle. I mean, it's crazy between airplanes and cars and four wheel drive trucks going around on ranches. I mean, there's just a lot of time that I spend with maybe my hands and feet are busy and my eyes are a little bit busy, but my brain can wander a little bit. And I actually talk out loud to myself if I'm alone, particularly. Sometimes I do that with Nick in the car and he's like, you're talking to yourself again. So it's a little <laughs> bad. I do talk to myself a lot. But I do talk to myself about these questions. So I will ask the question and I will even have like whole conversations with myself. I know that sounds crazy, but I pretend that there's another customer in the car and I will explain to them what it is I have to offer. That's the way I come up with a lot of my sales languaging and I can work it out, right? I don't have to be in front of a real life human human to work it out because then I can go, oh, you know what? I said something a little bit wrong. So let me give you an example of that. Yeah. In Gestalt, in the equine Gestalt, we don't use horses, which is a kind of a common thing that people come into the program with when they come to Touched by a Horse. They want to be able to, quote unquote, use their horses in healing horse or healing therapies and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that the way Gestalt is set up, it really is a partnership where the horse is a co-active coach in the process. So when we say use we'd take away from that impact. So part of that practicing for me, when I was learning how to, or working through how to sell the Gestalt coaching on my own business, Was I had to get to where I didn't use the word use next to the horses. So it had to be I partner with my horses or my equine coach and I. And to be frank with you, I would stumble over that in the beginning with people. Like when I would go to explain it, I would stumble all over my words because my head knew it wasn't supposed to say use, but it was such a habit, right? And so it would just come falling out of my mouth. And by practice, Practicing, I was able to get over that stumbling. It took a little while, but I got through it and gotten into the right words. The thing I did not do, and I often don't recommend that other people do when they're working this out for their own business, is don't necessarily memorize. Like, don't sit down and write a script and then memorize the script, because when you do that, you sound robotic. And you also are not able to make as good a pivots in the conversation that place that very personally for the person that you're talking to. Because if it's all rehearsed and recorded in your head and you've memorized it, it becomes difficult for you to be able to access little parts and pieces of it where it's needed or to make a shift or a move that the person in front of you needs you to make for their specific conversation. So when we say practice, in my world, I don't know about your Kara, but in my world, I'm not talking about writing it down and rehearsing it. I'm talking about Just pretending those conversations are happening or practicing in the mirror or practicing in the car, talking to your steering wheel, or even grab a friend for lunch and have them sit down with you and chit chat back and forth there and practice with them so they can give you feedback. Is that what you mean? Or do you write it, write stuff down and memorize it?
1: No, that's what I mean. I do think it's okay to think out your language and the things that you're going to say by writing it down especially to some of the really common answers to questions or if you're dealing with sales language and pricing and maybe it's really hard for you. I have someone that I met with recently and we were talking and she said, "We I never actually said the price of anything because I just felt too nervous talking about my pricing. Mm. She's still dealing with her own issues around money and talking about money and putting the value of money onto products that she provides. It was really interesting when we had the conversation because the key is, is that you can sit down and You can write out some of your common answers, but I believe you have to take it a step further. It can't be a script. You have to actually say it and hear yourself saying it. Let your mouth practice it so that it becomes kind of its own little memory. Sometimes when we write things, we don't write like we speak. And so you will speak it and you'll say, well, that's not how I would say that if I was in a conversation. It just sounds canned or it sounds like a script, right? So the big thing for me is, If you are talking about the pricing of products, like start talking about the pricing, like actually say, practice saying those words out loud in a way that you would do it conversationally with the right, what's the right word, inflection or emotion as you would in a normal conversation. So that is, I think that's essential. And if you're someone that has a hard time, especially with sales conversations, that's a really easy way that you can get a lot more comfortable. And then on top of that, go to events or go to networking events where the expectation is that you talk about your business and you talk about the product and service that you provide, right? I mean, even the most introverted of us that's anxious, I mean, the expectation is people want to know why you're there, what you do, and be a part of those conversations, both the tug and pull. Pull that information from other people, but then let them pull it from you and don't be afraid to speak about yourself. That is the time for self-promotion and to really practice it. It is.
0: And you know, another thing, those networking events when you're at those is a really good thing to do is to listen to how other people talk about what they have to offer and sell or talk about their business, because it'll give you ideas where if you find something that was particularly enjoyable to listen to or you got engaged with it, then sit and dissect how that person talked about their business and what made it engaging to you. And I can almost guarantee you that in those engaging conversations, the person you felt the most engaged with asked you a lot of questions and related back to you by establishing some common ground. One of the things I don't want anyone who listens to us to get really wrapped up in is a sales pitch. When we're saying practice this for self-promotion, we're not telling you to write a sales pitch and practice that. Because sales pitches They'll sell after you deliver. It's a quantity versus quality towards type of a situation. The sheer number of sales pitches you give will end up making you sales. Here's the truth though. If you have sales conversations versus pitches and you work on how to ask the questions that are gonna draw the information out of the person you're wanting to sell to or who's interested in it, that are going to be able to help you set whatever it is you're selling, whether it's a product, a service, or a nonprofit, up so to relate into their life and demonstrate the value directly to them, then that is gonna be something they carry away from that conversation for a very long time. So the practice part comes into also listening and then practicing what questions to ask as the conversation moves on.
1: And then that leads us, I think, really well into point number two. So the part of point two that's really important, I think it's, it's share what you know. And that is such an incredible spot to start When you're talking about self-promotion, start with the things that you're really comfortable talking about in your business. I am sure there are things that you can educate people on all day long, but maybe you're not comfortable doing that on a regular basis. But that's the place to start. So think about instead of sitting things on the back burner and, and becoming an industry leader, like really being someone that speaks to the issues in your industry, the work that you do, the reason that you're there, and talk about that proudly. A lot of times it's a lot easier to talk about our business when we're teaching something, when we're sharing something that we know will help others, whether that be a resource or a product or a service. But think about it from that perspective where You're not tooting your own horn, as I say in quotation marks. You're actually putting something out into the world that is meant to help somebody. So if you can come at it from that perspective, it might be more comfortable for you. And there's all kinds of places that you can do that. It doesn't have to always be face-to-face in a sales conversation, right? It can also be through the education on your blogs, in your newsletter, just general content that you're putting out into the world in general. Kim, what do you think about that?
0: I think it's so important to share what you know. And I'll go back and relate the real world experience of when I sold saddle pads and equine products at equine expos. So one of the ways that I feel that became the most successful was f- for me to ask the question when people walked up to the booth, you know, like, what type of horseback riding do you do? And then I yeah. would want to suss out with from them what they were having difficulty with, because there's a lot of things that are very obvious saddle fit issues, like if your horse is tossing their head or if they don't want to change leads. I worked with a lot of reiners and barrel racers and ropers and people who were very mm-hmm. specific about wanting to have a certain lead in a certain moment on a horse. If the horse acted cinchy or any of those things... So so I would start asking some questions, and then I would simply share what I know about that. I would share what I knew about equine anatomy, about how Western saddle trees fit horses, and about how they impede certain motion, and that if a horse can't change leads effectively, it may be because the horse is running into resistance from the saddle, and it's not comfortable, or it's painful, or it's difficult for them muscular-wise to be able to do that. So just sharing that knowledge of the equine skeletal system and muscular system as it relates to saddle fit, for one, it was incredibly enlightening to me as a horse owner to learn all of that. And two, it was nice to be able to share it with people because regardless of whether they walked away with a saddle pad or not, they walked away with at least a better understanding of their horse that was related to the company I was working for. So that was really critical because later on, they felt that company that I was a representative for was knowledgeable for this. And when they started noticing those things again, when they rode, of course, they're going to come back to that company and say, hey, I got answers from here before. So let me come back here again and ask some more detailed questions. And that always leads to the best sales because you are selling to an educated customer. You're selling to somebody who gets it from the most basic level to the most advanced level, they get it. And so when they use the product later on on their horse, they're gonna have a lot more success because pad positioning and all of those things played a great role in that. So it's so very important to be able to share what you know in context to the industry or the specific thing that your particular product, service or nonprofit solves. And the better that you can do that and the better you can have those conversations, the more successful you're going to be at self-promotion. Because believe it or not, people remember that. They remember you, they remember the small things, and they remember the association with your brand or your company. And trust me, it will carry a great amount of weight later when they move into a decision-making process about what to purchase.
1: Absolutely. That was so perfectly put because it all comes back down to that relationship building. You're sharing your knowledge, you're sharing, you're promoting your business, but you're doing it through story, through education, through examples of others. I mean, it's just, that's a great way to put it. So the more you get comfortable doing that, the honestly, the easier it's going to be to actually come down and say, okay, this saddle pad costs, this amount of money, yeah. and these are the benefits of it. And you can talk about your business. So, the more of that you can do, the better. And it doesn't always have to be like in your situation where you're at, at an event and you're standing at a booth and you're hawking saddle pads, you know, you could have that same conversation in a newsletter, in a blog post, on a podcast episode, in social media content. It could be anywhere. And that all boils down to promotion for your business.
0: It does. The conversations that you have everywhere. For me, speaking was another place for me to do it. And I do a lot of that in my current role, where I go and speak to entrepreneurs about their businesses. And I share a great deal of what I know in those classes and seminars and workshops and events that I go to. And I do get a question a lot that comes up here that says, well, how do you know when you're sharing too much and people start to get worried, especially when it's not so much when you're selling a product, but when you're selling intellectual property, like knowledge, like Mm -hmm. taking a course in social
1: media marketing, like giving away the secret sauce.
0: Yeah, or like for what we do for cowgirls with cameras, where we work with photographers, like where do you draw the line in that? And the lesson that I have learned over the decades that I've been an entrepreneur is that honestly, the more you give, the more people are willing to pay you. And I give in my, especially in my social media classes or my marketing classes and entrepreneur classes that I do for score and square one, I give everything, I don't hold any secrets back. Because to be honest with you, those people are gonna come hire me as a consultant for other reasons. They're gonna want to do, they need me to help them with their accountability or they need some gestalt practice to get out of their own way. Me telling them all of the backdoor, quote unquote, backdoor secrets to being able to successfully run a social media program In a seminar that lasts two hours, it doesn't make any difference on them coming and paying me because they're going to do it anyway, because they need those things that I can provide that they can't get on their own. And what is going to happen is that knowledge is going to crystallize all that for them. And when they get out of their own way, then the next step is going to be so much easier and better for them. And they're going to remember both of those interactions really, really well. And they'll come back again and again and again and again. I have a lot of really long-term clients now that I really only anticipated in the beginning were going to last a year or two with me. And now they've been with me five, seven, 10, 12 years. And I don't really think you can give away too much. I think people will come back around anyway. Some people are always going to hold out, but that's one thing I don't worry as much about
1: anymore. That's awesome. So then that kind of rolls us in, I think, to the last piece here, which is big three, number three, get help from others. When I was thinking about this topic for this, I was thinking about, confidence, building confidence around self-promotion, that sort of thing. So the first thing that popped in my head is doing the things that give you self-confidence and belief in yourself in your industry. So, you know, actively go out and apply for awards and enter your business and the work that you do into competitions, if that's an option, and use that information. Go out and get certified in things that you need to be certified in your industry. Attend classes. Anything that you can do to help bolster Strength do it with the idea that you don't get stuck on your butt. Kim and I have a whole episode about not sitting on your butt, but I need one more certificate before I can start my business. You know, that sort of thing. Don't get stuck. But thinking about ways that you can help build that self-promotion without actually saying, I have an awesome business. Look at me over here. Highlight the new certification you just finished. Highlight the award that you just received. Highlight the competition that you entered. Spend some time doing that as a way to promote your business. Other things that you can do is get help by asking your favorite clients, the ones that have worked with you for a really long time and love your business and know your business. Ask them to write testimonials for your business. We also have some great episodes on testimonials and putting those to work for your business. And that's another way to get help from others where you've got other people out there promoting your business. And then the third thing is create a loyalty program that encourages that word of mouth promotion for your business as well. I have a program for Fast Horse that encourages people to talk about my business. So if I'm shy about self-promotion, then I can actively get other people promoting my business at the exact same time that I'm We're self-promoting. So Kim, what are your thoughts on getting help from others and what can you add to that? So
0: the first thing is,
1: is it is external validation
0: and it's also somebody else that has raised their paw up to say, yes, this company is or this person is who they say they are and they can execute on what they can do. So having that external validation, it helps us because it's not us saying the thing that's the compliment. It's somebody else. So I'm an award winning photographer Well, who said that the equine photographers network said that PPA said that the Missouri State Fair, the equine competition in California. So I have all of these accolades that I have gotten over the years that have attributed to me being an award-winning photographer. So award-winning suddenly becomes a lot more valid and easier for me to say because I do have all of these people who have stood up and said, yay, here she is. She's really good at this. She's won all of these awards. And certifications are another thing. They basically say, hey, I am who I say I am. I've had the training. I've had the education." I know what I'm doing and you're safe to buy from me, donate to my nonprofit, or work with me as a service-oriented business. And I think all of those are really, really important ways of being able to help people understand who you are. And if you're particularly shy about tooting your own horn, It helps you be able to do that yourself. Now, that's part one. Doing all of those things is really important. And I will tell you, most certification organizations go to great lengths to be able to offer you badges and promotional materials that you can use in your marketing, on your website, on your person, in your branding, to be able to help promote for that. Because one, not only it promotes you and helps validate you, but it also helps get people back into their Programming Awards, you know, look for different ways that you can enter your business into different competitions or even getting some publicity from a newspaper or another source to be able to get your business out there more. All of that said, those are all great ways, but I think there's another thing that a lot of people miss, especially on social media, and that's the validity and value of social proof. Now, Kara and I have talked about this a lot to you guys, and I think it bears repeating again, the best way for you to promote your own business for you to toot your horn is to get your customers to do it for you on social media. So many of us get so wrapped up in saying, I have to be the one that's posting on social media, I have to keep my business flowing on social media, I'm the one out there putting my posts out. And the truth is, is that it's the conversations that your clients are having about your business that are truly the more impactful ones, because it's coming from that other person, and it is tooting your horn for you. Now, a good social media program is going to cover both of those things. It's you posting to support your business, and it's other people coming in and adding to the conversation. And when you combine the two of those things, you have the magic of social proof that gets over in your corner. And then people are going to be asking you to please toot your own horn, because they want to hear more. And that's the easiest way for you to step into it. In my humble opinion.
1: Yeah, self-promotion becomes a whole lot easier when people are actually asking for more. (laughs) Tell me more about your business. Tell me more about what you do. Tell me more about the special product or service that you provide. It sure makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Yeah, I love that so much. So I think we are at a place where we can go ahead and wrap up this episode. I think we've done a good job getting, hopefully, we've got some folks out there thinking about new ways that they can self self-promote, get comfortable with self-promotion, and just get out there and talk about their businesses a little more and not always expect people to do that for them or just kind of sitting and wishing and hoping that someone will find them. So get out there, you guys, and start self-promoting your businesses. We hope that this gave you some ideas today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Hop over to the social media channels uh, at The Business Animal on Instagram or Facebook, and let us know by leaving a review on wherever you listen to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.
0: And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.